The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the FIA, BPI, and whoever co-sponsored with us, um, prose and poetry reading, and it is already July the 2nd. My name is Carla Hayes, and I will be your facilitator for this program, and um, I, I have a little reminder at the very beginning of this. I want to remind any of you who are reading that... Um, this is a family program, so we don't want anything racy, we don't want any profanity, we don't want anything, you know, inappropriate that way, because this is not only being streamed, but it is a family program. So I just want to make sure that you're all clear about that, and I hope that you have, those of you that are going to read, have chosen appropriate readings of that ilk. Oh, I love the word ilk. <laughs> so um, what I would like to do is um, let's um, get started. Um, I'm going to do one thing, and maybe the, the um, person um, that is, um, there, there's somebody that's going to tell me, who who is our person that's going to tell us whether we have hands or not in Zoom? Oh, it's Sheila, Carla. Hi. Sheila. And Young. Okay, so Sheila Young is our host. So let's get started. And, um, um, you know, uh, so let's, let's, we've got a lot of readers, and I like to see that. Okay. And we, we only have one gentleman, <laughs> um, you know, who's live. Um, but the rest of you seem to be on Zoom, and we got a lot of women folk. All righty. So let's just go ahead and let's start with how about. Uh, how about Debbie Armstrong? And she's a Californian. This is a little poem called Thinks His Name Is No. And I will warn you, it is family friendly, but it may not be canine friendly. Oh, boy. Fetch means bring my paper. Not every newspaper in every driveway on this block. Wait means relax, no shoving or snorting. Move means sleep elsewhere, not roll over, spread out and block the hall. Stay means in one place, not lick, leap or lunge. Heal means by my side, no bouncing, bounding or barking. Stop means desist, not lick my wagging finger. Come means get over here. Not stall, sniff, or saunter. Sit means plant the rear, not wag, woof, or wander. And stop looking cute when I'm scolding you. Thank you. I'm back on mute. Thank you very, very much. That was very good. Anybody have any comments or anything? It's so cute. I love it. Great. Okay, good. All right. We are going to have... Oh, how about Alice Massa from Milwaukee, Wisconsin? I am so pleased about the Spanish being offered from ACB that I thought I would share with you one of my Spanish poems. It's very short, and then I'll read the translation. And so the title of the poem 
es Trabajadores Poéticos por Alice Jane Marie Massa. Poetas de los cielos, trabajadores de la tierra, llámanme para trabajar en el jardín hermoso de escritores. And now in English, Poetic Workers by Alice Jane Marie Massa. Poets of the skies, workers of the land, call me to work in the beautiful garden of writers. And I wrote that poem on World Poetry Day, May, pardon me, March 23rd of this year. And I'm pleased to share it with you. And thank you very much. Thank you very much. That was very good. You know, I I teach and translate foreign languages, and it's it's really an interesting process to write in, you know, to write a poem. And I have done it. I've written poems in different languages and then along with it, the English. And it's funny how the, the translations, sometimes you translate the words and sometimes you translate the ideas. And I, I really enjoyed that poem. I really did. Thank you so much for sharing that with us um, um alice okay so now let's see who i'm gonna call on now connie bateman from sacramento california this is my most recent poem here we go the window open the curtain perceive the voices of life experiences of feelings and emotions of disappointments and successes, reflected on the water, changing colors with the seasons, stories that warm my heart, characters that capture the human spirit. I travel with them through mountains and valleys, along straight and winding pathways, through stormy seas, through sunlit days, they have become an essential part of my days. Like close friends, I don't want to leave them. Close the curtain. Night has descended. Sleep and dream of the past and begin a new story when daylight surrounds you. Thank you. That is great. Does anybody have any comments about that one? Oh, very nice. Um, that's very profound. I love it so much. Thank you. Yes, I um, I think windows can be symbolic sometimes, and so can the start of a new day, the start of a, it could be a start of a new era in your life in a small you know, day tight compartment, but also a larger era. And so mm -hmm. I, I think that poem works on a lot of different levels. I really do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Okay, I think I would like to hear from Jessica next. Jessica, Jessica Meninsky, is that what it was? And you're from Louisville. I, I've got to learn how to pronounce that word. I, I got corrected. I used to say Louisville. But they said, no, you got to swallow it and say Louisville, Louisville. 
So you're from Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Hi, Carla. So I'm going to read um, two poems that I wrote, one a long time ago and one recently. Um, and it's okay if you can't say Louisville. It took me a while and I'm not, I'm not even from there. Joyce down. Sorry, my puppy dog decided to join us. Um, Does your puppy want to read? <laughs> no, uh, she wants to. She wants to be petted. I don't think she's going to read. Joyce, sit down. Okay. She's flirting with the mic holder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my first poem is called "An Unknown Future." The future is unknown. Though it may be blown with the wind. It can be lost, but it can never stay hidden among the moss. It may be beyond a hill's crest, though it is best on the edge of a cliff or below a snowdrift. You can never find, fix, or unwind it, for it is always hidden and stays forbidden to the eye. There are some things it dare not say, for it may just take one's breath away. But as far as I know, the future will stay so out of reach until one's life is seized. But for now, the future promises all a new and better life worth all of our strife. It kisses our cheeks throughout all of our weeks and gives us hope and causes us and causes us not to mope for it is not set in stone, but ready to change or grow a new backbone comfort. It provides to all who strive on this earth. I wrote that in on January 17th, 2013, when I was a sophomore in high school. Wow, that's that for a high school student. That has a lot of insight. Thank you. I plan on revising it maybe a little bit, but um, I was just proud that I was able to rhyme when I was that age. <laughs> yes. um, but thank you. <laughs> the thrills of technology. Anybody have any comments about the poem? Uh, this is Annie. I thought it was uh, it was great. It had it had great rhythm. And your rhyming patterns were really powerful. So keep keep going and keep writing. My thoughts were along Annie's line. Uh, I think it's an incredible use of heroic couplets uh, and creating a rhythm without becoming boring. Like quite frankly, some poems that do that uh, do it. the imagery was good, despite the fact that you were using a one two one two one two uh, sort of a uh, structure for your poem very nice thank you um i do have um my grandma's poem is on my phone so if i i might be able to retype it onto my braille note and read it later on but okay um thank you so much everyone well thank you and i want to encourage you to keep writing because you've got things to say obviously and you did a very good job with that one okay. this is cool may i comment you know, it's this is scary. I was going to call on Jewel and to read. Uh, <laughs> did you want to read or did you have a comment? Um, I'll comment first, if I may. Um, Jessica, for especially for a high school student, that was extremely powerful. And I just wanted to mention, I liked how you weren't, you were willing to go outside of the perfect rhyming. Like you were willing to break the rules just that little bit. And so many people at your at that age aren't, aren't willing to break the rules even a little bit. So I think that's powerful. Thank you. Okay, Jewel, you're unmuted. So we're now, we're going to hear <coughs> Jewel Gaspar and you're from Bowling Green, Kentucky. You know, there's a song about Bowling Green back in the 60s. Oh. Yeah, there was a song. Jing. It's there. 
Yep. Bowling Green, Kentucky. Okay. Um, I'll have to look that up. I'm not from here originally. So um, this poem is self-authored and it is called the, some of you ha may have heard of it. Every time I uh, recite it, it is working towards the goal of what the poem speaks of. I hide behind a mask, like the Cheshire cat, it smiled. I have worn this mask for many months. What's wrong with that, you ask? Behind this mask lay all the scars that life has gouged into my face. Back and forth, I pay, staring up and praying to the stars. Lower I, slowly, I lower this mask before you all. Praying you will not judge the core. I will break more and more. I know the order is very tall. Today I am a fragile doll that has been thrown away too oft. Please touch me with hands so soft or into a pit of torture I will fall. My life has been a war. My mask needs to come off, but try not to cough. The, move will, the movement of air will rip all the holes they have torn. Wow. Wow, that, that is just so profound. I like the symbolism of the mask. I like the, you know, it's it's sort of funny. Um, you know, there, there, there are so many things that some people hide behind masks. Um, we have the masks that protect. Yeah you know, from germs. And then we have masks that people hide behind or disguise themselves behind. And sometimes it's hard to know when to demask, isn't it? Does anybody else have any comments? This is Annie. Uh, I, I think the, the metaphor of the mask is very strong through throughout the poem. And I really appreciated that. And it resonated with me. I think the imagery and the the emotion of the poem was very strong throughout. And uh, that's not easy to do in a poem to, to keep that going. So I, I really admired that. And thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, I think we're going to, I think it's time to hear from, how about Abby Taylor from Sheridan, Wisconsin. And Gesundheit. All right. Well, the poem that I would like to share with you all this evening is one that I wrote not too long ago. It's called At Peace with Change. I traverse a path, once dirt, now cement. On my left is a creek. On the opposite side, a park with playground, ice cream stand, swimming pool, band shell, and other amenities. With everything remodeled and most of the park closed to traffic, few changes exist. But on my right, a veterinary clinic was replaced by small houses built close together and a new soccer field owned by the YMCA across the street. The Y itself now sports an aquatic center in place of the former soccer field. The Y's tennis courts were demolished to make way for more parking. Despite change, perhaps not for the better, 
I enjoy the creek's babble and bird songs, the gentle caressing breeze as the ball tip of my long white cane swings from side to side in front of me. I want to walk this path forever. The mood is shattered when my phone dings with an incoming text. I decide not to let the modern world interrupt nature's peace. Thank you. Wow, any comments? You know, that well, the only thing that does change is change itself. The only th- you, I'm sorry, I, I, you, the only thing that doesn't change is change itself. Is that what you're saying? I didn't quite hear that. Correct. Yeah. Because okay. only, only change doesn't change because it's continues. Judy. This is Judy. The, the image of a path is so um, thoughtful and so imaginative because, of course, paths are different for everybody. And it's a, it's a great image and you walking down the path and all the changes is very good. Thank you. I might comment that I've heard Abby's poetry and also her singing uh, in quite a few venues. And uh, she is really quite a talent, uh, both as a singer and a poet. And I was particularly impressed with some of the things I've heard recently where she has combined uh, her two skills as she did on the thing that she did for the virtual showcase with FIA a few days ago. Thank you. Hey, Abby, it's Annie. I love your stuff. Uh, 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 everything that you write is just so relevant and realistic. And I, you know, I was walking with you. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're in Wyoming or whether you, you know, you're in New York. It, these changes uh, happen everywhere. And I think you elucidated that very well. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Sure. Yes, thank you. And we're getting some really good work tonight, I think. You know, this is, I'm, I'm enjoying, I, I have to say, you know, just a little bit of uh, moderator's privilege here. I, I have to stop and just say that this is, and it has always been the highlight of my convention. This is one of my most favorite, favorite events. And it's, it's sort of an interesting mix here because we've got people that are participating here in Schaumburg. And then we have people from all over the country. I, I don't know what room you're in. You might be sitting in your living room or your bedroom or at the kitchen table or outside. And it's, it's sort of a different feel, isn't it? When you, you know, when we're, we're meeting in all these different spaces at once. And that seems to be, be bringing depth to it as well. All right. I would love to hear from Regina Marie. Thank you, Carla. This is a comment. I just am so impressed with everybody's art, imagery, and creativity. So just wanted to say that first. This is called Just Like Flowers, and I wrote it in 2021. History is the soil where our lives were planted and stirred, germinating while we pretended to be seen and not heard. So we could draw life quietly in the midst of wars and hatred and inhumanity. Faith became the root of our will to live and the hearts remaining ready to forgive, knowing the stem must bring healing 
and draw sustenance from compassion and feeling. Hope blossoms with the fragrance of love, while a bright sun of new life shines above, warming cold hearts with the knowledge of equality and embracing the beauty of diversity. Like flowers springing from a similar root, we vibrate with colors that dazzle and uplift and transmute. Like flowers, we can change the world a little bit at a time by being open and welcoming and inclusive and intentional and kind. Thank you. I love the imagery of hope being a shining like a light. I I I really I like that. I think you know hope is kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I kind of like that analysis. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. This is Stephanie. I love this poem. I want it hanging on my wall somewhere. So uh-huh. <laughs> please publish this or somewhere. <laughs> and share. Thank you. This is Annie. Um, the roots of faith, you know, faith being roots, using the flower as as a, s- a symbolism for um, for everything that's good in the world and growth. And uh, I re- that really resonated with me. What a beautiful, beautiful poem. Thank you. Thank this you. is Stephanie. Can you guys hear me? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I marked the notation that the poem was written in 2021. And in the midst of 2021, where we were, and to hear that is, um, I think, uh, speaks well of people who can write and express how you're feeling in the midst of what we were dealing with in 2021 without digressing into all that. But um, love the imagery and all of that. So thank you. Hi, Regina Marie. That was great. I love the openness of the, uh, you know, the the whole symbolism of the flower and opening and being, you know, how it's how flowers grow and bloom and that's the way we should all be, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, that was good. And you know, flowers are symbolic of so many. Things. Very good poem. All righty. I think that maybe. It's Judy Wilkinson's turn to read to us. This is a piece of flash fiction that I wrote for a workshop that the San Francisco Lighthouse is conducting. It's called Good Help, Bad Help. The transit system gates whooshed shut behind her. At least four minutes to traverse the crowded station to the long down escalator to her train platform. Her backpack was heavy with the groceries she'd bought walking here. What an ordeal that had been. Here, let me get the door, honey, the oily-voiced man had said, barging in front of her, sweeping aside her hand as it touched the handle. Don't call me honey, you blank, blank, she wished she'd said. The donuts smell so good. That means I'm near the first down staircase. She shifted 
the groceries. Then the long, awkward wait, blocking the flow of shopping after she had called out that she needed assistance shopping. The cashier announced over the speaker system, this blind woman needs help. She felt eyes burning into her. The intersecting hallway, halfway to my escalator. I'm Joe. They said you need, um, how can I, um, help? She thought, thanks so much for asking, not just assuming. He quickly got the concept of sighted guide, but lost points when they got to the cracker aisle. Yes, it was too much to ask him to read them all, but how about just big square boxes? On to cheese, he read over the cheddars, and she chose one. Another staircase to the left. Just another minute. I need to choose my own avocado, she told Joe. This potato feels soft. He finally was getting it. Tell me what kind of tomatoes I should show. It's okay to use see and show, she assured him. At checkout, she sheepishly asked him to swipe her card. He had learned. He had been respectful. The rumbling escalator just ahead. Her right hand reached out to find the flat rail, which, when it sloped, would let her know when to step on. He grabbed her upper arm. That Saturday morning, 20 years before, leaving her friend's apartment, the hand grabbing her upper arm, the other hand reaching up under her skirt. Don't scream, he'd whispered in her ear. She screamed then, and she screamed now, as twitching out of his grasp, forward momentum toppled her onto the slippery, long escalator. Her white cane flew out of her hand. Lying in a huddled heap, anxious hands insisting she rise before she was ready, she heard a distant voice above her. I was only trying to help. Thank you. <laughs> wow. I was right with her. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Wow. Yes. So, Judy, it's Debbie Armstrong. You really need to send that to the Michigan Quarterly Review. Uh, what I like about that magazine is if you turn on text view, you can read everything. Okay. I'll send it somewhere. Yes, yeah, send it somewhere. It it should win. Send it uh, many somewhere. <laughs> yes. It's not only educational, but it's just so beautifully written and and so so real for us, but so educational for outsiders. Thank you. I'm back on mute. Oh, thank you, Judy. Beautiful. Uh, it was just a capture and you had us spellbound. So very good. Fiction is so difficult, isn't it? Because you have, it is what it says, you have a flash to write some fiction and you don't have much time to capture the feeling. You don't have as much time to capture their attention. And I, I mean, that, it's an art in itself. I'm so glad that you shared it. It's a genre that we haven't had um, 
every once in a while somebody reads it during this event but tonight it was the first one for tonight i thought that was really really good and as i said that surprise ending it was good okay i'm I'm sorry this jewel um i just want to say i agree send it many somewheres so many people need to read that thank you it's good that we can encourage one another too um Okay, we're going to move on. Um, we have only one man tonight that's going to read. And it's funny, I, um, I sometimes what I'll do is I'll alternate if we have a mix. So I'll say, well, we've had, you know, a couple of women will take a man and a woman and then a man could do that tonight. So I think we have to at some point say, okay, let's bring on the man, my friend, Michael Byington from Topeka, Kansas. All right. Thank you. Well, I I usually uh, read my own work at these events, but I'm choosing to showcase the work of someone else this year. Uh, Alva Pata had a 45-year career teaching orientation and mobility to blind students in California to New York. This included teaching several years in Kansas, uh, which is where he was raised. Uh, he is now retired and lives in a senior community in California. He and I correspond from time to time, and he mentioned in a letter to me recently that in the early 1960s, uh, he was locked up for a year in Topeka State Hospital, which was uh, a notorious mental institution warehousing many patients uh, lifelong. I asked him how he found the internal resources to get out of Topeka State while so many were warehoused there permanently. In response, he wrote this piece called The Attic. Now, I'm only reading excerpts from the entire piece uh, in the interest of time, but also because some of the experiences he describes are so horrendous that it's impossible to make them family friendly. As you listen, Bear in mind that in 1960, homosexuality was considered a disease requiring those who were even suspected of practicing uh, homosexuality were institutionalized indefinitely. Many lives were ruined because of this erroneous viewpoint. In September, on September 1, 1960, the gray steel door sh- slammed shut behind us. We were now on Woodview 4, the intake ward of Topeka State Hospital. Various colors of vinyl-colored stainless steel chairs were spread along the length of the otherwise drab interior for the 40 patients. In case I needed to escape, I looked at the windows to see if the bars were steel. They were. After test, I was prescribed 500 milligrams of Thorazine per day for my schizophrenia diagnosis. This is the most unpleasant medication I have ever taken. I felt subdued and stimulated at the same time. I was feeling persistent restlessness, and my bathroom cleaning tasks were especially arduous and odious. I continued my emotional and physical distance from people 
while convinced that I was homosexual, leading to my belief that I must be locked up in a psychiatric place to be cured. But I found it doesn't happen there. Later, I told people, well, I was clinically depressed. At the end of my first month in Topeka State, I was sent to Woodview 3 for a long stay where patients abandoned by their families looked forward to being lowered into an unmarked grave at a nearby cemetery that no one would ever visit. Actually, I was elated as I entered the ward because I was then free of the effects of Thorazine. I began enjoying my fresh, my fresh freedom. I knew I'd have trouble pronouncing that. I walked briskly through the ward. Chuck introduced himself to me. When Chuck got out his fingerprinting kit and made prints of all of my fingers, telling me, oh, you have amazing prints, I felt special. I continued enjoying Chuck's uninhibited ways as he led us bellowing lyrics, I'm in the nut house now, throughout the ward. Chuck told us, well, I've molested girls, but never boys. Most of the patients were docile, medicated or not, even among the teens. But there were, but then there was Ronnie. He was excited as he told us that he had stolen a preacher's car before crashing it against five other cars and then laughing at the arresting officers. Even though he laughed and spoke of a friend setting an apartment house on fire with great humor, he had charisma that drew many of us to him. Michael was a sensitive soul with a gentle smile. He, too, had been sent to, the, to be cured of his gay experiences. While the boy saw me as a bodyguard, Ronnie saw him as a homosexual deserving punishment. One day when I went into our room, I found Ronnie torturing naked Michael. I'll take your head and shove you through those bars until you turn into French fries. I was stunned, so stunned that I quietly left the room with no semblance of courage and went away by myself without telling attendants of what I had seen. That evening, I followed Michael into the rec room, a place where people seldom went. He sat there saying nothing as he trembled while gazing at a plywood sheet that covered a maintenance worker's access to the attic. Later that night, he placed a chair on a table, lifted the cover, and pulled himself into the attic before crawling across rafters to a vent window through which he shoved his small and slender body to plunge a height of seven stories to the ground below. In the morning, we looked through the bars at the blood beneath us on the sidewalk. As the attendants spe speculated about, well, oh, I wonder why he jumped. 
some of us knew. When I had my weekly times with my Iranian psychotherapist who drove a Studebaker Avante and who provided a Benson and Hedges cigarette to start our sessions, I finally ranted on Ronnie. The doctor told me that Ronnie was the homosexual and not Michael. Ronnie protested loudly when the police came and took him away, possibly to be sent to the prison in Lansing, where his incarcerated father already was staying. After that, I slouched down on the floor in front of Crazy Jack, who trembled as he looked at the Sunday comics turned upside down. He lowered the comics and glared at me while growling, God damn you! I had invaded his territory. An attendant stopped by us and asked me, do you think that you could have been helped if you had received treatment sooner? At that, I once knew that I was at the bottom and that the only way was up. So on September 1, 1961, with much trepidation, I was released into the outside world to fend for myself. After leaving the hospital, I struggled with getting employed and with, re and with establishing relationships. But after graduating from Washburn University, I was a social worker for three years and then taught blind students in the Bronx to San, to San Jose for the next 45 years while earning two master's degrees and a PhD. Along the way, my wife and I were married for 47 years until cancer took her life. We had two sons, one a professional baseball player and the other a professional musician. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Quite a story. Wow. Michael, I was in Topeka, Kansas in 1981 and at the Kansas State Rehabilitation Center, right next door to the Topeka State Hospital. I actually wasn't in that building, but, you know, it was definitely, you know, kind of felt a kind of, I don't know what you call it, a deja vu or something when you were reading that. That's very fascinating. Michael, this is Stephanie. I just want to say thank you for sharing that um, for the author. Um, it's very poignant and um, a nice glimpse into what things were like in that time. Not not a nice glimpse per se, but a, a good, the author was just spot on about what was going on then. So thank you. This is Jewel. I have one question. Where do I find the rest of the story? <laughs> uh, well, Al wrote that at sort of a challenge for me to explain the features that he had within himself to get out of Topeka State. And I don't think that he's tried to publish it anywhere, but I did encourage him and he did follow through and do it to send it to the Topeka Historical Society. And I hope that they will take it for the very, I feel, historically significant, significant piece that it is. Yes. Um, I would tell him there are other people who would encourage him to publish it. And would read it. Thank you very much. Okay. Now we're going to hear from somebody that, that I've known for a long time. 
and it's a Pittsburgh connection with me. I'd like to hear from Lisa Bush. I'm reading a very short uh, scene from my memoir. And this is when I'm about 10 or 11 years old. And it's called Louder. Trumpets blare when the states come marching in. A winning sound like a football game celebration. And it's the same with drums, beating, beating, beating like my heart. And we're meeting all these strangers, too. Grandma Walls holding my hand and Pappy saying, I've got a surprise for you. Sticking pillowy cotton candy into my mouth. A dissolving, revolving sweetness down into my tummy. No thought of mummy or death or anything but xylophone and horns blowing toot-toot, flutes and piccolos showing how high floats can fly. A question knocks in my throat, though. What are these floats anyway? Like rafts I fall off in the river? Like how it feels to lie on my back, swaying, pretending to be dead? I ought to know what they are, but I don't. And I won't ask because grown-ups don't like to answer my questions. So I count instead the number of times when people say, poor thing, she can't see. They're talking about me. One, two, three times. Even during a parade. Wait till I tell Debbie and Jackie. They'll understand. Fade, syrupy voices, fade. Bands and car motors and people cheer louder, making Pappy and Grandma prouder so they don't think of me as poor or a thing. Bring on more clapping, more and more wrapping me up in fun. Come on, everyone, louder, louder. That's it. Wow. That was good. Any any comments? This is Annie. Uh, wow, what a unique perspective on um, on a parade. I mean, I, it's so funny because made me think about being in parades when I was little, and and you know maybe maybe not being able to see everything because I, I just had poor horrible vision, and you know I did have a lot of questions and I like you know just resonated with me because of that. Like some people didn't want to answer my questions or some people I felt that they felt bad for me. So yeah, thank you for, uh, for writing that. It, uh, it was really powerful for me. Yeah. It, this is Regina and it resonated with me as well. And, um, it, it was well-written and it, it, it did make me remember being a blind child and not exactly knowing sometimes what was going on. And, um, Michael, thank you for sharing that piece with us that you read as well earlier. Alice, you are unmuted, dear. Thank you, Sheila. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to say uh, to Lisa that your content captured so well uh, the thoughts of a child and your voice captures as well also the voice of a child it is just that lovely combination thank you for sharing that okay i think that we should go ahead and let us hear from debbie herring 
Okay, uh, th- these are just some things I put together, and um, I- I'm not sure I can use the actual song title that would be more appropriate, but uh, anyway, I'll just go ahead and read it, and if I can tell you the song that I made these things up from, I'll do that later. But Okay, it says, uh, While attending a junior high play date, I missed the distance and got knocked down when one of the girls swung forward. Her feet conked me on the head, and down I went. No one knows for sure, but this might have been the cause of seizure disorder, which began to happen many years later. One of these occurred while on a train, so I can only hope my fellow passengers were understanding. After a camp director spoke about his speedboat, he took all who were interested out for a ride on it on the last day of camp. Okay. On a Sunday afternoon, I took a plane to visit a pen pal in another state. He and his friend were jumping up and down in the elevator. And guess who got stuck? That was the longest 45 minutes I can recall, especially since it was on New Year's Eve. And the last uh, thing is, and finally, I entered a contest for business owners, which consisted of a large cash prize and a trip to Paris. Imagine my surprise when I was announced as the winner. Now you know I broke at least one of the Ten Commandments, the one about bearing false witness, lying, of course. Now that's that's it. <laughs> but I can relate to the escalator event. I uh, dropped my mom's arm when we were at the top of the escalator, and she had to go down and come back and pick me up. Because she got too far in front of me, and I couldn't gauge where the step was. So um, I really enjoyed all these uh, poems and getting to hear how other people write, and you know, not only their their method but their wording. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Debbie. We have a special treat tonight. We're going to hear from one of my friends, Annie Chaipetta, and she is a published authoress. Author? Authoress? What do you call yourself? Um, um, And, um, you know, I I, I, I know this is going to be a special treat, too. So um, take it away, Annie. Thanks, Carla. This is one of the highlights of every convention. I want you to know that. If you you didn't do it, I think so many people would be disappointed. So thank you so much for taking the reins on it and letting it happen. And uh, I just really am, am inspired by everybody else's work. So I have I have two pieces. One of them is long, one of them is short. They're kind of related. Um, The first one is an ABC Darien. If you don't know what that is, it is a 26 line poem starting uh, each line with uh, the letter of the alphabet from A to Z. It's called Disability Joy. Activism is easier each time you try. Building connections and friendships with others builds confidence. 
Caring doesn't stop because I can't see. Did you know smiles are free? Every friend matters. Freedom to be me and gift of a guide dog. Hello, your name is? I say I have just enough sight to get me in trouble. Just don't pity me. Knowing the feeling of independence, listening to the birds is not overrated. Moments of silence are blessings. Not worrying when the lights go out. One day every broadcast and televised program will have audio description. Progress is making it better for the blind. Quit worrying long ago about how I looked using a white cane. RP no longer stresses me out. So much to be grateful for. Touch, smells, tasting, listening, expressing affection. <clears throat> Untying a knot doesn't require vision. Virtual meetings are important for socializing. When transportation is impossible, X doesn't always mark the spot. Please tap out the chair. Yes, I need some help is a good answer. Zoom should sell discounted chairs to VIPs. <laughs> and the next one <laughs> is called Zoom and Zap. Prior to the pandemic, I got zapped with the Zoom app. Now I zig and zag and click and tap. Interact on the Z. Meetings and webinars. Zoom, zooming zoom. Get the got it button. Unstable connections. Am I unmuted? Waiting for host. Virtual connections. Beginnings after the pandemic ends. The end. Thank you. Oh, oh, honey, so this is Abby. I think we can all relate to that last Great. one. Yeah. That's definitely so true. <laughs> I know as host, I'm not supposed to say anything, but I want to copy Go ahead. the first one. <laughs> Go for it, Sheila. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Oh, this is great. And that, you, you know, that's a good, that, that is so good because th that was so appropriate for this particular event since we have people on Zoom, we have people here, we have technical problems. Yes, <laughs> like, couldn't have happened any better, right? It just... right. I, 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 so you probably funny. weren't planning that. <laughs> no. um, you probably weren't thinking of that oh. when you planned it is what I meant to say. But that was... Um, that was really good. And, and as far as the ACB, ABC Darien, th those are hard to write. They, they really are. I, I know I've written a couple and they're not as easy as they sound. And you, the way you put that together is just, you know, that was such an art. Thank you, was Carla. Done. Anybody else have any comments? This is Jewel. Um, I would say um, every time I've tried to write an ABC Darian, it has been awkward to read and awkward to write. And if you hadn't said that's what it was, I might not have noticed. It was so well flowing. Hard Thank to you. do. Yeah, it took, it took a little bit. <laughs> it took some time. It did. Yeah, it took a lot of practice, too, to get it right. Um, this is Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Hi, I'd like to make a comment. Sure. 
Oh, um, actually, it goes back to earlier because um, at one point when I had my hand up, we there were other things going on. But I wanted to comment on the story about the young man who was in the institution and the suicide of his friend. And from what he said, this was obviously, what, 45, 50 years ago. And the tragedy is that it's still going on. This kind of stuff, maybe not in institutions, but the treatment of people who are LGBTQ. I, I think we have to add that now. But at any rate, I think that people should really understand, just like with race and color, that we're all people. We're all the same inside. And who we sleep with or what we do behind closed doors is nobody's business but the persons, the people who are doing it. And I just don't understand the antagonism. I never have. My parents were very progressive and they had all kinds of friends and we had friends in our home and maybe there would be two guys holding hands or two women holding hands. But that's how I grew up. I didn't question it. I just accepted it as my parents did. And I think that that it would be so wonderful if, if parents wouldn't you know, put their own whatever prejudices on their children because if we could leave the children alone we could wipe out all this stuff in one generation um the other thing i wanted to mention is um i live in san francisco but i used i was born and raised in chicago and you write about the weather it can be sunny shine the sky can be blue and then all of a sudden you get this horrendous downpour for 15 minutes or 20 minutes and then boom it's gone sun comes out and it's shining i mean it's 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 been it's Driving in Chicago was awful because you'd have these storms that would come up very suddenly, and then you couldn't see. You'd have to pull off the freeway. It would be so and bad. Nikki, I have never I seen it rain. I, Nikki, I'm I don't sorry. mean to interrupt you, but oh, okay. we are about out of time, and I oh, okay. know that Carla probably has a few more people that want okay, to Okay, go read. right ahead. I'm sorry. Thank you, I've Nikki. I've never seen it rain so hard in San Francisco ever. Thank you. <laughs> I'd like to so hear much. Carla read. Well, I'm the only one left. <laughs> I'm going to leave this to the um, discretion of the um, technical staff whom I want to thank. I want to thank Sheila Young, and I certainly want to thank Bryn Lee, you know, our host and our Zoomer, um, respectively. And I know their time is valuable. And I always save myself for last because I consider myself the agent here and probably the least important as far as the reader. But, um, you know, so if you say that there isn't time. I no, ma'am, you, you go right ahead. Okay, you sure? Yes, ma'am. Okay, what I'm going to read for you tonight, I'm really going out on a limb on this one. Um, th this poem, it's sort of a poem narrative. It's called Pogi Bait. Does anybody know what Pogi Bait is, first of all? Okay, well, it's uh, sort of like if, if you're in the military, um, and I don't know if they still use this term as much, and it's spelled P-O-A-G-E-E, -E, bait. You know, I mean, I don't know what a pogey is, but pogey bait is, um, they used to, um, in the military, um, issue them snacks, maybe maybe family packed and sent them, and it might be raisins or Roman noodles, no, I almost said Roman noodles, how could you eat those? Roman <laughs> noodles, um, you know, little sausages, candies, and things like that, and when I was at the school for the blind, my father, my mother would pack me a can, and there might be raisins and cheese crackers and just little snick snacks to have back in the dorm, because, you know, I, I had to stay there and the other part of there are just a couple of parts i want to set this up and then i'll read it to you um 
um, when I was going to the school for the blind, my mother first started by driving me in. First, the whole family drove me Sunday night, and then it just got so unbearable to have to cut the weekend back that much. And I just felt like I wasn't on parole all the time. So then she started driving me in Monday mornings, but we'd both cry all the way in and she'd cry all the way home and she'd cry all the week long. And so would I, and my dad said, fine, okay, this crying is ridiculous. I'm taking her to school. And my father had this firm, um, matter, matter of a fact, sort of a German background, you know, he's sort of German and, you know, but he also had a sense of humor and he and I were very close. And we had this, he made a game of things and we went in and he would, we would unpack. We'd get in my room about seven o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning. He'd take me in on the way to school, um, on the way to work. The other kids would be in the cafeteria or in the dining room eating and we'd unpack pack and he would hand me things and you know and I'd have to put them away and by the way unmentionables were like underwear and feminine things so when you hear me say unmentionables it's still a family friendly thing so that's what he said too and then he would we would hold up this can of pogie bait and he'd rattle it and he'd go pogie bait so I'm going to ask you if you want to join in when I say rattle rattle because there's a lot of um, sound imitative things in here you you can yell out with me pogie bait Okay, so here's the poem. So that's the picture. We're unpacking my suitcase. It's called Pogie Bait. <clears throat> Let's get that suitcase up on that bed. Boom. Now let's open it up. Snap, snap. Let's get this thing unpacked now. Fast, now. But Dad, that's mad. You, I have to get to class and you got to get to work. You've got to get to work. Don't shirk, you jerk. But Dad, now open up that closet door. Squeak. Put it away, put it away. We don't have all day. But Dad, I want to go home. Dad Schmad, you're already home for now. Stop whining. Here we go. But dad, please, no, I don't want you to go. Zip. Let's see. We've got one pink skirt, one blouse with ribbons, one silky scarf, and rattle, rattle, rattle. Bogey bait. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, swish. And here we go. And we've got jumpers and jerseys and socks and stockings and hair ribbons and unmentionables and rattle, rattle, rattle. Pogi bait. <laughs> um, Russell, Russell. And here we have two skinny slippers, one for each foot. You do have two feet, don't you? And one pair of slipper socks and one bathrobe and some pajamas and more unmentionables and rattle, rattle, rattle. Oh, oh, <laughs> on this first, on this first day of school week, your daddy gave to you six hair barrettes, five forty-fives, four kettle balls, three homework papers, two school books, and a car or and a cartridge for your tape recorder. 
Oh, and he couldn't sing either. I'm I'm a hungry man. I just might have to eat all of your <laughs> rattle rattle. Oh, but dad, dad, a bump, bump. And here we have deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrush, comb and brush, one gym suit, one dirty clothes bag, and even more unmentionables, and rattle, rattle, rattle. That's it for pit, I quit. That's all she wrote. The pencils broke. And now, la pièce de résistance. I present to you your rattle, rattle, rattle. Oh, <laughs> bump, slide bump. Suitcases on the top shelf. Gotta go. Roads to hoe. But stop whining. Learn something new. Do what they tell you to do. You be a good girl. Okay. You be a good daddy. You be a good daddy. Smooch, smooch. I love you, Carla, babe. Smooch, smooch, smooch. I love you, daddy. Smooch, smooch, smooch. Hug, <laughs> hug, hug. Bye, bye. Oh. Bravo! Oh, that was oh, great. That great, was a great way to end. That was good. That was my dad. Oh my gosh, you're making me miss my dad so bad. Oh, oh yeah, he was just like that. Well performed. Yeah, we're good. I still have that pogey bait can at home. Yeah. <laughs> Pull it out every once and I'll put something in it and I'll rattle it. I'll yell. And my dog probably thinks I'm crazy. I'll just pogey bait. <laughs> my dad always called him gee dunks. What's that? Yeah. What's that? Gee dunks. He'd say gee dunks, gee dunks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to something a few weeks ago and uh, the girl had something and I think they just called it a clapper and it sounds like this. And uh, they were doing it to a tune, you know, they were shaking it at a certain point uh, of the uh, song. And I and I, I think the group was called Misfits or something like that. But anyway, it, and she gave me one of those because I, you know, pleaded and cried and begged. And, <laughs> but I loved it. And uh, I have it here. So I thought about that when you were reading the pogey face thing. I think that I, I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the reading. I, this was fun. You know, we had absolutely. We, we went yes. through a whole gamut of literature types, um, feelings, topics, voices, and that's what this thing is all about. And I just, I you know, I I just want you all to to know that you know the world is a if if you're a writer. If you're a writer, your language is a playground and your words are your play toys. And I just want to encourage you all to keep writing, keep creating, keep loving life. And I want you to all go out and find some foggy page and enjoy it. <laughs> Thank you very much, folks. Thank you. Thank you, Carla. Thank you, Carla. Thank you to Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.